Hey, it's Dr. Michael Rich, the pediatrician. I'm a practicing pediatrician, a child health researcher, and a lifelong filmmaker who understands how powerfully screens engage and change us. As a doctor who sees kids every day, I see their struggles with the screens that are everywhere from in their pockets to surrounding them on the walls with televisions and through their schools with computers. And I see the concern that parents have for how the media kids use and how they use them may be affecting their physical, mental, and social health. So I try to bring these two worlds together to help us all understand and respond to how to raise healthy, happy, and productive kids in a world filled with digital screens. Mediatrics educator Christelle Lavalley joins me here each week to help us answer your questions. Yes, I do. Thanks, Michael. So this next question is actually coming to us from a neighbor in the north. This is from Cecilia. She's a mom in Saskatoon, Canada. And she writes, I have a bright and beautiful 15-year-old daughter in high school. Last week, one of her teachers told me that she's been falling asleep in class. How can I help her here at home to make sure she gets enough sleep? Well, Cecilia, I think the first question you should ask is, where is your daughter's cell phone at night? Hmm, what I'm finding is that many kids who come in to me uh, with the complaint of sleepiness, daytime sleepiness, or you know, taking a nap immediately upon return from school, are sleeping with their cell phones either under their pillows or on their bedside stand on the vibrate mode. And what happens is that they invariably are texting late into the night, and not only that, but they are waiting for that all-important LOL text to come in at 3 in the morning. So several things are happening here. One is that they're not getting as much sleep, not just because they're up actively texting, but when they're actively texting, they're staring into that blue light of their cell phone, which suppresses melatonin secretion. Wait, Michael, the blue light from the phone? Is that just the light that's coming off the screen? Off the screen, exactly. Okay. Okay. And that blue light is the equivalent of early morning light, which is because we are diurnal animals that hunt during the day and sleep during the night, activates us, arouses us, and gets us ready to live the day. And so, so we think the sun is rising. We think the sun is rising. The new early morning sun is rising. And what happens when it gets dark is we start to secrete melatonin, the hormone that helps us sleep. So she is arousing herself right when she should be letting herself sleep. So even when she puts that phone down, it's going to take her a while to go to sleep. The other thing that's interesting that is happening is because she is waiting for that phone to vibrate because she believes that she has to respond to that text in the middle of the night. Is this FOMO that's happening here? Fear of missing out. Yeah. But it's also fear of losing relationships. We've developed a culture where we feel that if someone doesn't respond within a certain amount of time, and usually it's a very short amount of time to our texts, that that means something about the importance of this relationship. Yeah, I feel that way sometimes. I get it. Right. Why are they not answering? Right. And so... She is waiting for that phone to vibrate so she can be a good friend. But what happens is that she's not getting into the deep REM sleep, rapid eye movement sleep, 
which you have to get into four cycles of and get into the fourth cycle of to move what she's experienced today from her short-term memory into her learning centers. So even if she stays awake in algebra class tomorrow, she may not remember what she heard in algebra class today. Oh, wow. So, so she's not retaining that because, she, because her sleep was so poor. She's not consolidating it into the learning. And so she's not completing the cycle of learning that occurs with experience, memory, and then consolidating that memory into a learning center. So even if she isn't falling asleep in class, she may be missing out on stuff because she's not paying enough attention, perhaps because she is sleepy, but also because she's not consolidating that information overnight. So, so what is it that Cecilia can do to, to kind of move the smartphone off of the nightstand? Because it is her daughter's personal phone. Who paid for the phone? Uh, I'm assuming Who pays mom? for the account, <laughs> okay. right? Okay, you make a valid and point there. <laughs> and so this goes back to what we always say is treat these devices not as toys, not as our divine right to have, but as tools that do yeah. certain things very well and don't do everything very well and sometimes actually counter what we need to do. So talk to her daughter about the phone, charge the phone in the kitchen or in mom and dad's room um, overnight. Oh. Keep the chargers there. Yeah. So if she forgets to bring it in, then it doesn't get charged Can't and it then. doesn't work. <laughs> um, but also talk to her directly about it and say, here's how it's affecting you. And you can batch your communication with your friends. You can say, okay, you can... Text me up until 8 o'clock at night, for example, and then I've got to go offline. And House rules. Absolutely. And tell Cecilia to feel free to tell her daughter to call her the most strict, awful mom in the world, <laughs> right? Let her daughter throw her under the bus yeah. with her friends because that takes her friend off the hook, takes her off the hook with her friends. Right, right. right? To, you know, be able to say... I'm sorry, there's nothing I can do about it. My mom's right? so mean. She won't let me but have my phone. <laughs> here's the thing that's really interesting is when kids do that, I mean, they hate the idea in the concept, but when they do it, they feel liberated. Yeah. They feel like they are off the that. hook. Yeah. You know, let mom take the hit for this. Um, and their friends get used to it. They know that after eight, they can't reach them and nobody's any worse for it. I know, and my guess is that all that news that came in over the night is still going to be there in the morning. Sure, and most of it is chatter anyway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, so thank you so much, Cecilia. I hope that's helpful. Michael, I, I think you might also recommend maybe just a, an old-school alarm clock. I know some kids. Yeah, that's true. In yeah. fact, when, <laughs> when I ask the kids why they uh, have that phone on their bedside stand, they say it's their alarm clock. Yeah, I know, hear that too. That's what I was wondering. As if, as if you can't go to a big box store and spend five bucks on an old-fashioned alarm clock. Yep. So maybe kind of catch this conversation with the gift of an old-fashioned alarm clock, Cecilia, and that might help, help the conversation go a little bit better with these new house rules. So thank you so much, Cecilia, for submitting your your question. 
For those of you who are interested in more topics like these and the science behind them, please come and visit us at askthemediatrician.org. Remember, you can also connect with our mediatrician on Twitter at mediatrician. You can submit your own question at askthemediatrician.org. And thank you so much for listening. Please remember to share and subscribe to this very podcast. And enjoy your media and use them wisely during the appropriate times to use them. And remember that perhaps the most important feature on many of these devices is the power button. I encourage you to push it early and often. Ask the Mediatrician is hosted by Dr. Michael Rich. Joined by pediatrics educator Christelle Lavalley. Jill R. Cavanaugh is our Chief Knowledge Officer. Original music composed by Christopher Cerf. Podcast and music recorded, mixed, and edited at Saturn Sound Studios. Executive producer, Alicia Haywood.